Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. This salutation or beginning of this last letter or this last book of the Bible speaks of God in his personification in heaven as the creator of everything. And even the seven spirits of God are before the throne. He speaks to the angels being there. And he also speaks to Jesus Christ, the entity by which God sends in and of himself into the earth to redeem us by his love. So Jesus is identified as the one in whom God sends to love us and he loves us to life. I was at a banquet and there was a, 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 an award given, an acclamation given to one of the bishops. And they said the plaque of the clock that they gave him says, we love you to life. God loved us to life through his son, Jesus, because the Bible tells us that by Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We have an opportunity to be with God throughout eternity through the love he showed through his son, Jesus. John 3:16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So he loved us to life. What a lesson. So John writes about this and he gives the salutation and he acknowledges the various power of God, the various powers of God and the manifestation. But it's amazing that if I'm going to be writing my last letter, do you think I'm going to take the time to write something that's insignificant or unimportant? It is so vitally important that he recognizes the fact and that we recognize the fact that God loves us. Look at somebody say he does love you. God loves you. People need to know that people need to hear when they come to church. Yeah, you're going to hear about hell. We, we know about hell. It was so hot in Maryland the other day. I thought I thought I slipped up and went to hell. It was one hundred and three degrees in the shade. I was like, it is hot as Haiti in here, out here. But because I love God, because I mean, people was evil and snapping and sweating. And I was like, relax. There's a place that's a lot hotter than this. And if you're not careful. Preachers always want to preach, right? Do they ever tell you about the love? Do they ever tell you about the love of God? Do they ever say, you know, God loves you so much, he loves you in your foolishness. He loved me in mess, out of mess. He loved me out of it, all right? He don't love you to stay in it. He loves you to get on up out of that and clean it up, clean it up, clean up your mess. When you were a baby, somebody else cleaned up behind you. When you became an adult, you started cleaning up behind yourself. And when you really got grown, you stopped making messes. I'll let that settle in just for a minute. So it, it takes something to understand how God loves us. He loves us to our maturity. He loves us to growth. He loves us, us to development. So John takes the time to write about him who loves us. Now, if that's in the book of Revelation, what else is in there? Oh, yeah, there are seven seals and vials and there's death and destruction and a white horse. And there's all kinds of things in there. I'm not going to touch any of that today. What I want to talk about is finding the love of God. Where is the love? Our passion is centered around that, our, our focus and, and things that we believe and don't believe. It's all motivated by love. When we perform any act, it is stimulated by something that we like or love. And like is supposed to be a derivative of love. My mother corrected me when I was a child many times about a lot of things. I told you on Friends Day, everybody not your friend. My mama told me that and I learned it and I'm still learning it. I mean, there's some folks in here that say they're my friend. And then before you know it, they're no longer my friend. They were never your friend, but they were in your life for a season, a reason or a, a lifetime. 
I heard that yesterday and it just really enriched me. People are in your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. I want you to think about that. Now you say, well, I like her, I like him, I like you. Then you're, you're imposing an opinion. Do you know that love is not opinionated at all? That's how you know whether or not it's love because there's no opinion involved. Love is love. There's no way to define love without tracing it to God. God leaves no room for your opinion. Where were you when he created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when he made the mountains? Where were you when he created the microcosmic world that exists under the sea? Where were you? Sleep in church. I like that preacher. What? We have to learn how to shoot the arrows of love. We need to learn how to use love as an instrument to penetrate the enemy and to tear down walls. We need to learn how to use love to look beyond people's faults and meet their needs. That's how God does you. God looks so far past you sometimes you thought he missed you. Because you know you don't deserve it. You know that you were flighty. You know that you was up one minute and down the next. You know that you was in, then you was out. And you was in, and then you was out. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your, and then you shake it all about, and then you do the hokey pokey. Why are you doing the hokey pokey? What do you think God is doing? God is loving you. God is still loving you when you're confused, when you messed up, when you think don't nobody like you, don't nobody love you. When you're rejected, God is still right there with an everlasting love just exuding from him. So where is the love? I hope you're finding it. I hope you're looking and you're searching. If you look in a person, you may or may not find it because if they don't have the attribute of God called love, then you can't get it out of them. If it's not in there, you can't get it out. You go to the bank. I like a million dollars, please. I'm sorry, sir. You've got 57 cents, but I want a million. You only got 57 cents. I need a security. So what you going to do? Force it out of somebody. You heard this one too. I'm gonna make you love me. Ooh, yes I will. You know I will. Now calm down. Somebody was like. So, so think about this. We have heard hundreds of thousands of songs about love. How you gonna make somebody love you? How? I'm not going nowhere, and you, and you, and you, you're going to love me. <laughs> it was movies before that. I saw the movie Sparkle. This man beat that woman to death. And I do you like I do you because I love you. That ain't love. How you going to make somebody, I'm helping somebody. This is relationship counseling right now. All right? This is single preparation, and this is marriage counseling all wrapped into one. You can't make anybody love you. If it's not free, it ain't love. Come give me a love token. If I ask you for a love token, then it's not love. It's an assessment. You just been taxed. (laughs) Consider yourself officially served an invoice. But if it's love, then it's from the heart to the heart. Love is from the heart to the heart. These are just some basic principles. But let's look at Revelation. I got to stay in the Bible because I keep slipping into the 60 songs and 70 songs. And I just love this opportunity to teach. So he says that in the sixth verse that he's made us kings and he's made us priests unto God and his father. All right. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. Second chapter of the book of Revelation. He writes unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. He says, write these things. This is what Jesus tells John to write. It's in red letters. So Jesus still speaks. How many know that by the book of Revelation, Jesus has already been crucified and resurrected. And so he's ministering to John on an Isle of Patmos, And John was not on a vacation. 
So he's ministering to him and he says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, unto the leaders, unto the leaders, unto the leaders in the church, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars, the seven churches, uh, seven leaders, seven world powers. I don't get it. I'm not going to get into the eschatological teachings of it, but understand this. It applies to us today in that the second verse says, I know your works. How many know God knows your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them, which are evil. I know that you detest those people who are unsaved. I know you want them to be holy. I know they got to be like you are, or you don't have nothing to do with them. He says, I already know how you feel about that. And that you have tried them, which said that they are apostles and are not, and you found them to be liars. I know that you can be critical. I know that you can decide to go to this preacher or that preacher or this church or that church. If you've been to seven different churches, then you should be written in the book of Revelation because there's seven different churches and you had to try all of them before you decided that God is just trying to minister to you. And if you are uncomfortable here, you're going to be uncomfortable there. And if you are irritated here, you're going to be irritated there. And if you are, I'm awful. And I believe it's time then it's going to happen again and again and again and again. I may or may not go to heaven from this particular station, but I'm not just going to check stations out. Seriously. So he covers all seven. Ephesus is one. Look at somebody say this is just one church. Let's check out the issues. This is their issue. This is the issue that he says, write to them. They, they, they like righteousness. They know how to pick pastors. They know how to check out people who's alive. He says, and has borne and has patience. And for my namesake has labored and they didn't faint. They know how to have a missions conference. They know how to have two nights of summer in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a conference. They know how to have revival. They know how to do it. They know how to do it and they do it well. Somebody sent me a text the other day and said, we need you to do so-and-so and do it the grace way. So they even have a reputation of how they do it. I mean, I was like, what's the What's the grace way? How about we just do it the God way and, and, and we can all be happy. So these people understood that. He says, nevertheless, I've got somewhat against you because you have left your what love? First. What love? First. First love indicates that there are other loves. But the disadvantage is not that there's the first, the second, the third, and the fourth love. It's just that you've lost your loving feeling for your first love. Think about that. It's lost. Now, what happens when you lose your phone? You say, can y'all help me find my phone, please? Can you find, you know, <laughs> my wife texts to her phone, where is my droid? Or find my droid and it, it sends out a signal. You're no droid, so there'll be no signal trying to find you, all right, or find your love. He says, you've lost your first love, Ephesus. Tell you a little bit about Ephesus. Great church, wonderful church. It was a church that was established in the early times of Christianity being, being um, planted in the earth. It was right after the book of Acts that the Christians were, um, uh, well, people who were converted to Christianity by virtue of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And they began to spread out and then they began to develop factions and groups. And at Ephesus was one of the places that Paul often visited. And he taught 
them about the things of God. And so they were noted as being a very powerful force and believers. I'm going to give you some history that might blow your minds. Are there any deacons here today? Deacons, just wave your hands at me. In the book of Acts, we find that there were seven deacons established in the early church, the first church. Now that wasn't Ephesus, but it was in the Roman area and under the Roman empire, which means that there were people in the church that were of Roman descent and people who were even used by God that didn't come through Hebrew bloodlines. They weren't born of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They weren't fortunate enough to be among the circumcision. They were among the uncircumcision, which indicated the difference between the Jewish people and the Gentile people or people who were not Jews. So we find that this church at Ephesus was made up of a lot of different kind of people. And one of the people in that church was a deacon named Nicholas. In Acts, the sixth chapter, we have a reference of all the deacons and their names. And I did the research on this so that I can be accurate in my teaching. In the sixth chapter, these are the names of the people who were there as deacons selected for the first church. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man of full faith, and the Holy Ghost, Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnemius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. He was converted over into Christianity through someone teaching him about the love of God. So he comes in the fold. And in the book of Revelation, where God has something against the church that started out loving God, the church that started out serving him, that started out with, oh, remember when we used to, and remember we had, and remember so-and-so used to go to our church, and remember we used to do that. Understand this is a season right now of change and shifting, and there are people getting on the bus, and there are people getting off the bus, and there are people trying to drive the bus that don't even have a license, and then there are people who have a license and won't even drive the bus. There are people People who know how to fix the tires, but they're letting us ride around on a flat. There are people who are certified mechanics and they'll let you break down on the side of the road. There are people that don't know anything about the mechanics, but they are trying to fix things. Please understand it's a journey. And the church from the beginning of time in the book of Acts all the way into the book of Revelation had its challenges. But Nicholas, somebody say Nicholas, one of the deacons in the church goes down in history. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope. 